It's good to have all of you here today. I'm Pastor Brian, one of our teaching pastors. And uh, if you're new with us today, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we are in our series, our seven-week series on the book of Revelation. You see this image behind me. Uh, it's called Jesus Unveiled. Typically what we do here at Alpine is we, we typically teach from four to seven or eight weeks on a particular theme. And we thought the theme that was fitting right now is the theme of Revelation. If you don't know much about the Bible, Revelation is the very last book of the Bible. So there are 66 books in the Bible. Revelation is the last one. And probably it's the most confusing one. And it's the most exciting one. And it's the most scary one. And uh, it's one of those books that a lot of people love to dig into and try to, try to figure out. There's a lot of symbolism in Revelation. There are a lot of different characters in the book of Revelation. And again, it can be really, really confusing. And so what we're trying to do throughout this whole series is look at it with fresh eyes. I personally have been studying Revelation this year. Even before we wrote this series, I've been, I've been digging into it throughout this whole year, doing a lot of study on it myself, refreshing my own memory. There's a ton in the book of Revelation. So I want to just start with that, uh, but I also want to then say that really what we're focusing on in this series is not, is not getting into all of the you know, interpretation and, and uh, symbolism and all that stuff. We're gonna, we'll talk about all that, and today's one of the big ones, because today we're going to talk about the four horsemen and the seven seals, and we're going to talk about the wrath of God. And there's Probably of all seven of the lessons in this Revelation series, this is probably the most scary slash confusing. As we wrote this as a teaching team, we thought, man, what interpretive lens should we use for this one? Because there are, you know, we have, if we have 10 pastors on staff, we, we might even have 10 different perspectives on the end times which is a phrase that we use if you're not sure what the end times mean. It's the, it means this concept, this idea that someday the whole world is going to come to an end. So the idea of the end times has a lot of different interpretations. There are a lot of different perspectives on the end times. We're not going to get into all of that in this series. We made an intentional choice as a teaching team not to like just get real specific about one perspective on the end times. But we decided instead, let's just kind of zoom out and let's make sure that as we study Revelation for seven weeks, that we, that we unveil the most important theme in the book of Revelation. And the most important theme is not the wrath of God. It's not the scrolls. It's not the interpretations. The most important theme in the book of Revelation is Jesus Revelation reveals Jesus. Revelation shows us Jesus at the end of history. It shows us Jesus in heaven. Revelation shows us Jesus at the end of the story. If you think about history as, as one big book, Revelation, fittingly, is the last chapter of the book, and Revelation shows us how Jesus fits into the whole thing. And so that's why we're calling this series Jesus Unveiled in the Book of Revelation. I, when I was in high school, I had a friend, when he first came to faith in Jesus, he got really into studying the Book of Revelation, and that should have been my first warning, right? Because people who get really into studying the Book of Revelation, no offense if that's you, 
you tend to be weird, okay? You ever notice when someone says no offense, they say something really offensive right after that? So no offense, if that's you, you're weirdo, okay? But, um, but no, he, my friend was a little bit strange because he was so interested in all this, what I would call all this fringe stuff. He wasn't really that interested in just the central basic message of the Bible. So even before I get into a lot of the fringe stuff, and that's what this message is about, so buckle up, get ready. It's going to be a lot of fringe stuff. We're going to read about the wrath of God and the seven or the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the seven seals of the scroll. It's going to be a lot of crazy stuff. I'm excited. This is a fun message for me to preach. But I just want to make sure that you understand. That's all fringe stuff. It is all about Jesus. It's so much simpler than today's message is going to sound. So young people, new people to this whole thing, just remember that. I don't want us to get to lose sight of this central message of this whole book. And the central character of this whole book is Jesus. And the central message of this whole book is super simple. Jesus rescues. We're going to see that in this, in this picture. We're going to see that. But, but even I wanted to just kind of preempt the message by saying that because we're going to dive into some stuff and I'm going to have to go fast and it's going to be a little confusing. But I want you to know that it's all about Jesus. And this whole series is all about unveiling Jesus. So my buddy in high school had a... Had a newspaper on in one hand and a Bible in the next, and he was, he was looking at some of these things that he felt like some of these signs of the end times, which is what we're going to talk about today, like earthquakes and epidemics and famine and wars and battles. And you, you look at, just turn on the news, and you'll see all of that in the news. And so it's easy to look at that and say, are we in the end times? And I guess my best answer to that is, well, we're one day closer How's that? Is that good enough? We're one day, today, we're one day closer than we were yesterday. I don't know if the end of the world's coming next week, next year, or someday when I'm far, long gone. And, and Jesus even says, don't try to figure that out. He says, it's not for you to know the end times. So that's what I say to all you weirdos who love to read Revelation and try to figure out the end times. It's good to be ready. It's good to be ready. But it's better to focus on Jesus. And that's what we're going to do, even though we're going to get a little weird. So you ready for that? Let's get a little weird today. All right, let's do it. We're going to talk today about, and, I, and I'm going to try to, there we go, the seven seals of Revelation. If you were with us last week, it, we were in Revelation chapter 5. If, you, if you're here and you want to follow along, Revelation 6 and 7 is where we are today. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your Bible app on your phone, don't worry if you, if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up on the screen, but if you want to kind of look at the fuller context, that's where we are. Last week we were in Revelation 5, we, this, this revelation that God is giving to John, one of, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, John is the one writing Revelation. And so whenever it says, I saw this or I saw that, the I is John. So John sees this picture, and it's a picture of heaven. And in the picture, there's someone sitting on the throne, and that's God the Father, and then last week we saw that he, God the Father had a scroll in his hand. And the best way to understand the scroll is the scroll is God's secret agenda for world history. That's the scroll. And the scroll had seven seals. I want to make sure you understand what those are because we don't have scrolls today. So a, a, a scroll would be kind of rolled up like this, probably a lot bigger than this. And it, again, it contains like... God's secret agenda for world history, kind of the way everything's going to end. That's what the scroll contains. By the way, today, 
we're going we're gonna to break all seven of the seals and we're going to see what's contained in it. That's, how about that for a cliffhanger? Excited about that? But I want you to have a visual for this because it's hard for me to visualize this and now I think I get it. So a scroll looks like this and think of seven seals. A seal is like a, like a wax seal or like a sticker that it seals. So let's say if I've got a thousand pages here and I roll it up, I might roll up the first 300 pages first and then I'd seal it and the next couple hundred pages I would seal that with a wax seal and the next few hundred pages I'd seal that. So can you envision this where there's, there's seven seals, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And to read chapter one I'd have to break the first seal and it would, it would allow me to unroll the first 200 pages, let's say, right? So now I can read the first chapter. And then I'd have to break the second seal to be able to read the next few, few ideas in the scroll. And so there are seven seals, and every time you break a seal, you can read that chapter. Does that make sense? And last week we saw that, that somebody cried out around the throne. They said, oh, we can't wait to read the this, this scroll. We want to see what we want to see what, how history's going to end. Have you ever read a good book and you just can't help yourself? You've got to like skip to the end? I'm totally like that. I'm so impatient. I'm reading a good book. I'm like, I'm going to skip to the end. And that's what they were saying last week in Revelation 5. Like, oh, we want to read, we want to read the scroll. We want to know how history ends. But there's no one worthy to open the scroll. There's no one worthy to break the seals. See, 2,000 years ago, if I, if, I had, if I wrote a will, a last will and testament, I would say that so-and-so is the executor of the will, right? So Kenzie, my daughter, is the executor of the will, let's say. So what that means is, 2,000 years ago, what that would have meant is Kenzie was the only one that had the authority to break the seal. Nobody else could come and break the seal and reveal my will only Kenzie could do it if she was the executor of the will. So last week, when somebody cried out, who is worthy? I want to read the end of the story. I want to know what's going to happen in world history. And they were, John, John himself started to cry because no one was worthy to open the seals and reveal God's plan for history. And then last week, we kind of ended last week with them saying, no, the Lamb of God is worthy to open the scroll. And the Lamb of God is Jesus. So God the Father is on the throne, and Jesus is this, this picture of this lamb, and the reason he's the lamb is because the lamb was the sacrificial, sacrificial animal that took away the sins of the people in the Old Testament. So Jesus is pictured as, last week we saw he's a lion, which is a picture of power, but he's also a lamb, which is a picture of sacrifice. And last week we left off by saying that Jesus was the one who's worthy to open the scroll, to break the seals and open the scroll and reveal God's plan for history. And that's where we are today. So today, we're going to see that God the Father hands the scroll to the Lamb of God the Son, and the Son has the scroll, and one by one, he's going to break the seven seals. You ready to see what is revealed? Let's do it. The first four seals in the scroll, the first four seals in Revelation unleash the four horsemen, or otherwise known in our culture as, if you've maybe heard of this, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Apocalypse is is another way to say revelation. And these four horsemen symbolize God's judgment on the world 
and the beginning of the end. Let's take a look at it in Revelation chapter 6. In verse 1 and 2, it says this. As I watch, remember John's writing this. John is the one watching this, getting this revelation. As I watch, the Lamb, Jesus, broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. And then I heard one of the four living beings saying with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked up and I saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow. And a crown was placed on his head. And he rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. So there are going to be four horses, each of them with a different color. White, red, black, and pale. Now you can read the rest of it in the passage here on your own. It's in Revelation 6. Read it later on today. White, red, black, and pale. But we've got a lot, to, a lot to cover, so let me summarize what those mean. A lot of people think that the white horse, at first reading, that the white horse and its rider is Jesus. Jesus is on a white horse because later on in Revelation, we're going to see Jesus on a white horse. But I personally believe, and a lot of commentators believe the same thing, that actually this, the rider on the white horse is not Jesus. After all, the lamb is Jesus, and the lamb is breaking the seal open. So I don't believe that the rider on the white horse is Jesus. And the reason for that is because each of these horsemen are revealing the wrath of God. These are, these are scary figures not good guys. These are bad guys, not good guys. So even though you look at this and you say, well, wait, he gets a crown placed on his head and he rides out to win many battles and to gain victory. And so that sounds like good language, but again, as you read the rest of this, you see that the, the next horse, the, the black horse and the rider on the black horse was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. And so I think that this first rider represents the Antichrist, represents false teaching, because false teachers are going to look like Jesus, they're going to sound like they make a lot of sense, but they're going to be imposters. So I think that this first rider is an imposter, and I think the second rider represents death and war, and the third rider on the black horse, has a pair of scales in his hands. And the third rider represents famine and economic hardship. And the fourth rider is on a pale horse, pale meaning like, like putrid green, like not your favorite color green, but like green, the green that you turn when you get the flu or COVID, that green, not good green. Like you look like death warmed over, that kind of green, that's the fourth green. That's the pale horse, and its rider was named Death. And they were given power, this fourth horse was given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, by famine, and by plague. And so these four horsemen and the four horses that they're riding, these are, these are those who carry the wrath of God at the end of time onto the earth. And they represent false teaching and death and war, and economic hardship, and, ep and ep epidemic disease, and hunger, and inflation, or deflation, that's what they represent. Now, uh, let's just stop here for a second and say, man, that's a lot to read into just a few verses in Revelation 6, but you've got to read, along with Revelation 6, you've got to read Luke 21, write that down, you've got to read Luke 21, because in Luke 21, Jesus talks about this whole thing 
from his perspective, and he talks about wars and rumors of wars, and he talks about pestilence, and he talks about bloodshed, and he talks about epidemic disease. And so a lot of times when you read Scripture, you've got to make sure to remember to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So when you read Revelation 6, it's important for you to read Luke 21 at the same time. And you're going to see that there is a lot of overlap between Luke 21 and Revelation 6. And I want you to remember that John, the one who's seeing this revelation, that John was there in Luke 21 because John was one of Jesus' disciples. So John heard the teaching from Luke 21. And now here John is later on, decades later, getting this revelation. And I think that John is watching this, this part, the four horsemen, and I think he's thinking about what Jesus taught in Luke 21. Read it for yourself, and you'll see all of the overlap, shared language. In fact, let's go there to Luke 21. Verse 9, Jesus said this, And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. In other words, these first four seals are just the first four seals. There are still three more to come. So these first four seals are what Jesus calls in another place the beginning of birth pains. That when we start seeing war and disease and famine and locusts and earthquakes, does this sound familiar? That's why somebody said to me when we had our earthquake in Magna a couple of months ago, right after this COVID craziness and what was going on in New York, did anybody else freak out a little bit when that happened? I literally had, my phone was blowing up with people saying, are we in the end times? And my answer is, we're one day closer. Because <laughs> Jesus doesn't say to get all into newspaper clippings and try to figure out what he, his main message is, be ready. Be ready and pay attention when stuff like this happens. But you look at world history and stuff like this has happened over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we're still here. The Spanish flu of 1918, that was World War I. If we were living in World War I and this, the flu epidemic that took over 50 million people worldwide, the flu did. The Spanish flu, H1N1, the first time it appeared on the earth. You better believe if Alpine existed back then, we would have all been saying, it feels like the end times. And yet we're still here 100 years later. The point is, someday history will end. Are you ready? So these are the first four seals. Then Jesus breaks the fifth seal. The breaking of the fifth seal reveals the martyrs who remain faithful in spite of persecution. They call out to God for justice and vengeance. The martyrs. A martyr is someone who has given up their life for their faith. That in spite of the persecution and the prevailing culture, and this has been true throughout history, in spite of the prevailing culture, whether it's Roman culture or Greek culture or German culture or American culture, in spite of the prevailing godless culture, they're followers of Jesus who have stayed true to the simple message of Jesus in the Bible. And they haven't given up their faith in, this, in, in the face of persecution and even to the point of death. Those are martyrs. And when Jesus breaks the fifth seal, the martyrs call out for God's justice and for his vengeance. Let's read that together. Revelation 6, 9 and 10. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal... 
I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of martyrs for the name of Jesus in history. And to this day, to this day, people are still dying for their faith around the world. To this day. And it says that they shouted to the Lord and they said this. And look at their prayer. This is like their prayer, the prayer of the martyrs. They said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long? before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us. I don't know if you can relate to that prayer. I can a little bit. If you've ever experienced injustice, if you've ever seen something at work or in society, like what's been going on with the George Floyd situation, if you saw that the first time you saw that and you said, that's not right, that's not right, and it's not right, And there are countless examples of injustice on the earth. Our family recently watched the movie Just Mercy. I really encourage you to watch it if you've never seen it. And it's about injustice in Alabama in the the 80s. In the 80s, I couldn't believe the injustice and the racial discrimination, putting someone on death row for a murder that, that he didn't commit, and it was really clear he didn't commit it, and it was just a total miscarriage of justice. And I remember watching that movie with, with my family and just, just, it just, I don't know if you get this way, but just you get this feeling, this sense of that's not right and someone should pay for that. That's what the martyrs are doing here. Times a hundred. Because this is, these are people who were faithful to God, they did nothing wrong and they, their lives were taken because they had faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not right. Society shouldn't do that. And these are the martyrs. And that's what they're saying. They're saying, God, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? They're saying, it wasn't right, and when are you going to make it right? And that's what the fifth seal is about. And then the sixth seal breaks. And it signals what's called in the Bible the day of the Lord. Notice that's in caps. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day, someday, when Jesus is going to come back and world history is going to end as we know it and all classes of people will become fully aware of the inescapable wrath of God. That's a scary statement. But that's what we read here in this next section in Revelation. Remember, the first four seals were just the beginning of the end. It wasn't the end. It was the war and the famine and the disease and that was the beginning of the end. And then the fifth seal is the martyrs crying out for justice. And then the sixth seal is finally the end of history, what's called the day of the Lord. Let's read that together. 6.12, Revelation 6.12. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. I don't think it was the Magna one. And the sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Do you remember when we had the, the red moon, the blood moon? last Was it last year, I think it was? The blood moon? And people were like, it's the blood moon. This is talked about in Revelation 6, 12. It's the blood moon. The moon became red. I stayed up to watch that, to see the red blood moon. And I went to Revelation 6 and I read it again. And then a few months later, the epidemic hit. And we got the locusts in Africa. And then the earthquake hit. And I read this and I'm like, man, I don't know. Could this be it? 
Verse 15, and then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person, they all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And this is so reminiscent of what Jesus taught in Luke 21. Go read it for yourself. He talks about this same thing. When the day of the Lord is here, trust me, everyone is going to go freaking out. You think people are crazy right now buying guns and and probably building bunkers in some parts of the country, you're just getting a little taste of what the day of the Lord is going to be. And I love what it says here. I want you to pay attention to this. It says that everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and these are the people who persecute. The kings, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, these are the ones who martyr Christians. But it's not just them. It's the slave and the free person. So we've kind of covered all the bases. It's the rich and powerful, and it's the slave, and it's the free person. It's everyone. Everyone on the day of the Lord hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains because they all woke up. Because on that day, the whole world will be aware of the wrath of God. Do you know that right now, the whole world is not aware of the wrath of God? There are so many people in this world that think that this world is all that is. They think that this world is the reality. And then we die, and that's that. End of story. No, that's not the end of the story. The scroll has the end of the story, and this is the end of the story. Let him who has ears to hear, hear what God's word is saying to us. This is a picture that someday... Someday, everyone is going to realize, we talked about this last week, someday, everyone is going to realize that God is on the throne, and he always has been. And someday, everyone is going to have to face the wrath of God. Unless, unless, there's a little asterisk, and let's finish with that. First, Isaiah 21 or Isaiah 2.11, it says human pride on the day of the Lord will be brought down. This is Isaiah the prophet speaking about the day of the Lord. And human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. And so what we're going to see here as we finish our message is that the end times will test the quality of a person's faith. This is where I want to make this message personal. I see some young people in here. I want you to think about this. I think about my, my own kids, 17 and 19. I want them to hear this message. Someday, they're going to have to stand the test of time. Their faith is going to have to stand the test of time. And true believers may suffer the wrath of man. Depending on your perspective on the end times, true believers may have to endure the tribulation. We're not going to get into that. They may or they may not, depending on your perspective. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Just know this big picture idea that that true believers will escape the wrath of God because of the blood of Jesus. And the, the, at the end of the story here, at the end of history here, and again, I know this is a lot of information for some of you, for all of us really. There's just so much to take in here. But the, the bottom line, I really want you to hear this, the bottom line, I want my kids to hear this. The bottom line is, you're going to ask this question that they ask at the end of Revelation 6.17. For the great day of their wrath, their wrath being the wrath of God the Father and God the Son, the one on the throne and the Lamb of God, 
The great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? And that's the question that rings out at the end of, of these six, six seals. Actually, at the end of the seven seals, because when the seventh seal is open, so the sixth seal is the day of the Lord, and then when the seventh seal is broken, the Bible says that there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Have you ever been in a stadium where they took a moment of silence? Or maybe in a, at school and you took a moment of silence in your classroom or in an assembly? It's just kind of this eerie quiet comes over the crowd for 30 seconds. Could you imagine it for 30 minutes? When the seventh seal is broken, there's silence for 30 minutes. And if you read why, it's because God is listening to the prayers of the martyrs. And he wants to make sure that justice is done. And so the question rings out at the end of the chapter, who is able to survive? You know, here we are, everyone's scattering and running to the mountains and into caves and hiding from the wrath of God. And the question is, who is able to survive? And man, that is such a good question. And here's the good news, because this whole message has been kind of bad news and really kind of scary. And that's good, because I want you to pay attention to this. But here's the good news, and we have it in Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. It says that John says, after this, so after the seventh seal, he says, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. He says, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, standing, not afraid. If you were afraid of the wrath of God, you would not be standing. You would be on your face. So there's this vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language because that's how God is. He loves everyone. His invitation is to everyone. And they're standing in front of the throne and they're standing before the Lamb, Jesus himself, and they're clothed in white robes and, and they hold palm branches in their hands and they're shouting with a great roar, salvation, here's the answer, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. In case you think, after reading Revelation 6, that wrath and only wrath comes from God, I want you to hear no, salvation comes from God. So the question is, are you going to receive his wrath? Or are you going to receive his salvation? That's the most important question you could ever answer for yourself. I know some of you might be like, oh man, I don't know. I, 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 well, I hope I receive his salvation. Only, only a moron would say I want to receive his wrath. Everyone, everyone should be awake. Everyone should have their eyes wide open reading Revelation 6 and saying, who's going to survive? How can I survive, really is the better question. How can I survive on that day? How can I be counted in this crowd? How can I be here? How can I be worshiping? How can I, how can I be standing in front of the throne of God instead of hiding in a cave somewhere? How? How does salvation come from God who sits on the throne? How does salvation come from the Lamb of God, Jesus, who is worthy to open the scroll? And if you've come to Alpine ever, you know the answer to that. But for those who are new, I want you to hear this. It is simply by placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins and for your salvation. That's it. 
There are some religions that teach you have to work hard and be a good person. And man, that is a scary prospect. Because if I was in a religion like that, I would say, how could I know if I've ever worked hard enough? How can I know if I've done enough to make up for all of my bad choices? And the answer is, you can't know. But that's not the truth of the Bible. The Bible says this, that our salvation comes by trusting in Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from your sins right now, but saved from your sins right there. You'll be in that crowd worshiping. Not because of because of your goodness, not because of your righteousness. Look, it's this white robe. You know who owns that robe? Jesus. It's his robe of righteousness that he gives to you and to me, his righteousness, the righteous lamb of God who died on the cross for our sins. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for me and for you, but it only works for me and for you if we respond to him in faith. And the Bible says, again, the short answer to this, how can I escape this picture of wrath? Like, this scares me. And I say, good, it should scare you. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't scare you. Because the Bible says that those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ will be spared this wrath. I don't know when the end of the world is going to come, folks. I don't know. But I know the end of your world will come someday when you breathe your last. And the Bible says that it's someday, when that happens, your opportunity to make a decision for Jesus is done. So if you want to know that you will be spared the wrath of this scary picture in Revelation 6, put your faith in Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. I did it when I was six. It didn't make me perfect, but it made me saved. And if you've never done that, young people, old people, everyone here, if you've never done it, your mom can't do it for you, your dad can't do it for you, your kids can't do it for you, parents. Every person has the ability to make that choice to trust in Jesus, and then we'll be in that crowd worshiping God because salvation comes from him alone. If you want to pray a prayer like that today, if you're here today saying, man, I've never done that, I'll, or I'm not sure if I've ever done that, I want to do that now, I want to invite you. We're going to close our service with just a simple prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? And If you're here today, maybe you're here with your parents, maybe you're here by yourself, maybe you're here with friends, maybe you're here with your family, it's not about any of those people right now. It's just about you. If you would say today, I want to receive God's salvation, then I invite you to pray a prayer just like this, just in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. I'm going to say some words, and I want to invite you to pray them in your own heart and mean them. Pray something like this, dear Jesus, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you that wrath isn't the end of the story. And today I confess my need for you, that I'm a sinner. And I place my faith in Jesus the Lamb of God. 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place for my sins. Today I receive your forgiveness and your salvation. Help me to go in your way from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.